Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm Liam Armstrong. For today's show, we will be exploring the wave of Australians supporting Bernie Sanders, both online and even occasionally on the ground. The insurgent campaign from the Democratic Socialist Vermont Senator went from strength to strength before a recent consolidation at the moderate flank of the Democrats curtailed his momentum. Regardless of whether or not Sanders is able to stage a comeback strong enough to claim the Democratic presidential nomination in July, his campaign has been a historic breakthrough for the progressive left. Additionally, the organising of the campaign and the Democratic primary more generally has provoked fascinating shifts um, in the media coverage and communication of electoral campaigning in the US. For today's show, we'll be speaking to two young Australians who've supported Sanders both on the ground and online, despite currently, um, despite all the way from Australia. So our first guest is Zach Gillis-Palmer. Zach is a former president of the New South Wales Young Labor Left and an organiser for the MEAA. Zach has recently returned from the United States where he campaigned in person for Sanders. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so first off, maybe on a personal note, what inspired you to travel to um, the U.S. and campaign for Sanders? Well, coming from, you know, the kind of uh, bread and butter background of Australian sort of centre-left politics, I guess I was really energised by campaign, uh, a campaign that was putting forward big messages structured around big ideas and big organising. So I really wanted to see how that plays out in practice and how we could emulate a similar strategy in Australia. But also, I think um, at the time I was staying with a friend who's recently moved to the States and it was just impossible really in some ways not to get involved. Um, I mean, there was just so much happening in New York and really the energy of um, the Sanders campaign, it was hard not to get swept up in that. Mm. Um, So what insights can you share with our listeners from your time on the ground in terms of how the Sanders campaign did get those big messages out to um, voters? How were they communicating that message? Well, I think, you know, they had a pretty sophisticated um, communication campaign and it is pretty interesting how I think they kind of structured it around um, an ask that was very different to your typical, typical electoral ask in the sense that Conventional wisdom kind of tells you that you want to make small incremental asks of potential activists and with the view of building them up very slowly um, to taking big action and to taking on organising responsibilities by themselves. But the Sanders campaign really turned that on its head in that from the get-go they're asking you to do or to take action, to do things autonomously, 
um, and to do things often without any training. And the way that they lure people in, I think, is with these amazing big ideas rather than these kind of piecemeal, uh, reformist kind of um, policies, which often aren't very engaging for people. So, you know, I think um, there's a great book written about um, the organising strategy called uh, Rules for Revolutionaries. And they say, you know, the first email I ever sent was, I'm asking for you to do something big. And they, was, they were just totally flabbergasted by the fact that when they did ask people to do big things, attend big mass meetings, um, have events at their own home when perhaps they didn't really know that much about Bernie Sanders or democratic socialism or electoral politics in general, they actually did do those things, uh, which is totally flies in the face of what you're generally told um, in conventional electoral organising. So that was the big difference, the, the, the breadth of the asks. The asks were bigger in terms of the message they were communicating, even though it might have been in similar ways to other campaigns, it was what they were asking of people that was different. That's right. And also the way, like, often what they want to do is there's kind of a pipeline, which is um, they, they ask you to come to a large meeting. Uh, they call it a barnstorm. And it's quite a, it's a structured experience whereby, you know, they basically try and get as many people as they can into a town hall. They make their pitch, um, usually an organiser of some kind, a field organiser. Then you'll have an expert who will sort of give you some background about the particular policy issue that they may be organising around. Often it was Medicare for All, the ones that I attended. And then they'll have a candidate or, you know, some kind of, uh, in, in my case when I was, organising or volunteering for the DS, the Democratic Socialists of America, they had state candidates. But on the Bernie campaign, they'll often have another organiser come and say, you know, all right, so we want you to take action now. We want you to go and line up behind someone who's going to be holding a phone bank at their house. We want you to attend that. And it's very different, I suppose, to the very atomized kind of organising approach. The small organising approach, I guess, is what they kind of refer to it as where people, I suppose, are broken up on an individual level and, you know, you have these small one-on-one meetings hoping you'll build them up. But in this case, it was all about getting as many people through the door as possible, uh, structured around these big ideas. And comms was a really big part of that, I think, getting out to people and um, putting that message to them. And what thoughts can you, um, and why do you think it is that young progressives in Australia have been so inspired by the Sanders campaign? Well, I think it's really energising to see a candidate who does kind of pierce that um, usual sense of apathy about quite radical change. I don't think it's necessarily fair to describe Sanders' policies as particularly radical, but certainly relatively radical considering, you know, the propositions put by moderate Democrats over the past sort of 30 or 40 years. And I think being able to see that and seeing that there is an alternative to the, you know, Blairite or the Clintonite kind of model of how you win elections, um, for a generation of people who've really grown up in the failure of that, it's a very tantalising prospect to participate in something where when I knock on a door, you know, one of the questions that I, one of the things I would say is, you know, what do you think of billionaires? And people would most often say, I I don't really have much time for them. You know, I live in poverty. I have no health care. I have no security at work. 
and being honest about those rather than cloaking um, progressive messages and kind of, I think, often very cynically trying to um, appeal to people on very basic and uninspiring messages, like schools, not stadiums, you know, in the New South Wales election Mm. last year is a really good example of that. Mm. And um, what what examples of um, the Sanders campaign use of either traditional or newer forms of um, media, such as digital media, do you think really impressed you in terms of how they got that message out? Well, I was always a massive fan, and I was likewise with the Jeremy Corbyn material of the videos that they made and they put um, on Facebook and on YouTube that were, you know platforming people like Black Lives Matter activists, platforming people who, you know, whose family had been killed, you know, um, by police or platforming people who, whose lives had been destroyed by neoliberalism rather than, you know, your kind of typical pitch, which is, hi, here, I'm the candidate. Um, Here's my experience with X, Y, Z thing. I'm a steady pair of hands vote for me, you know, that, that very typical ad that we all know so well. Um, this was not so much about the candidate, but it was all about the ideas. And it was all about this whole not me, us, which is a very captivating message, I think, for most people. And seeing those videos, I mean, I confess I don't watch, I don't watch television, but when I was mm. in the States, um, whenever I went to the grocery store or whatever, just back-to-back Bloomberg ads. Like you would literally have between two programs, you would just have the same Bloomberg ad repeated until the ad break was over. Um, And I mean, you can see that that kind of traditional approach, even with all that money, it it didn't work at all. Mm. Um, And even though Bernie's campaign is really going to, you know, I guess it it does seem as though it's unlikely that he's going to be successful now. he did a lot with a lot less, and I think that comes to do with how he was able to engage people around big ideas using social media campaigns in particular. And obviously we hear this a lot, but being there, why do you think he gets such so short-changed by the traditional mainstream media? Mm-hmm. Why, do, why does he get so yeah. Ch- yeah. Get challenged by them? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, particularly in the States, it's not that it's that much better here. Um, it's, it is an instrument of a very, the media is an instrument to many, in many ways of the class of people that he's going after. Um, I mean, you can see with the New York Times endorsement, for instance, and where, um, Bernie sort of challenges and, and says, you know, I don't really have much of an appetite for beating around the bush, um, to sort of paraphrase what he said, um, that, that was a really big challenge uh, of, I think, the media establishment. And they know that these big media companies, like Bloomberg companies, for instance, potentially stand to lose a lot of profit if um, they have to pay their fair share of tax, if they have to treat their workers properly, if they have to contribute to um, the transition to a green economy and so on. So I think this is just a pretty classic case of the 1% lining up against a candidate who's challenges the way that they do business. Hmm. 
Um, so much of Sanders' support from, um, comes from younger generations who are, like, extremely active online in their promotion of him. Like, I've even seen this manifest in, like, active meme groups on Facebook or people showing their support on platforms like Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think, like, so much support coalesced around Sanders in this way? Yeah, well, I think there is it, – it does speak to the appeal that he has to younger people and particularly to a group of people. I mean, when I was campaigning, they have this amazing infrastructure, online infrastructure, uh, and it's called the Bernie Journey, which is part of the Bernie Sanders website. Mm-hmm. And they use Slack and Google Docs and a bunch of other sort of platforms basically to make it really easy for you to get from wherever you are in the state to somewhere where they need campaigners mm. and for you to meet up with other random people who were making the same journey, people you've never met before, and to stay with them and to campaign with them and to make mates. And, you know, I did that, uh, which was pretty cool. And I just met these five random people from Philly who'd driven up. And they didn't know each other beforehand either. They carpooled. I met them there. And they were kind of this, group, they were pretty good examples of the kind of people that support Bernie and who really actively organise around Bernie. They're young, sort of between 25 and 35, often quite highly educated, very low, a huge amount of student debt, very low prospects of getting a job, and they struggle with getting by. And these folks live on the internet, you know, like, <laughs> they that's one of the only things that where they can have access to a social life in many ways. Um, and they were very active on Twitter and Facebook and in different meme groups and that type of thing. So I think there is this underlying kind of sense of alienation that a lot of people who support Bernie experience. And one of the ways that they cope with that is through online communities. And as a consequence of that, naturally, they started to proliferate this kind of pro-Bernie material online, which I thought was really interesting. Why do you think that that quite genuine community support was, like, essentially turned back on the campaign? Like, we saw Elizabeth Warren critiquing, like, the apparent bullying of Bernie supporters. It was, um, yeah, this, like, spectre of the Bernie bro was a big thing Mm. that um, Sanders' opposition used to take him down. Like, did you see that playing out much while you were there? And why do you think it was, it did get so much traction? Well, I think in, this is one of the um, disadvantages of being heavily reliant on a space over which you exercise very little control um, and where people can misrepresent your supporter base and misrepresent your opinions. And I think, you know, there is there genuinely is a group of people who behave like, you know, Bernie bros, the kind of people that uh, are often used to discredit Bernie. I think that they're a very, very small proportion of Bernie supporters. I've never met a person who behaves that way in person. Um, the organisers in the, you know, whether it was field organising um in New York or it was field organising in New Hampshire where I was campaigning, were overwhelmingly um, African-American women. Uh, Certainly that behaviour that you would expect of a Bernie bro would not have been tolerated in any way. People just would have been told to go. 
there's this excellent chapter again of that book, Rules for Revolutionaries, called Fight the Tyranny of the Annoying, where it basically makes the case that whenever someone behaves like that in a way that, you know, makes a space toxic, that you should feel empowered to remove them from the space. And I think that was a dynamic... I mean, I never saw them actually do that, but certainly I felt that if you ever behaved that way, you would be asked to be removed. But I think, yeah, I mean, ultimately um, there were people clearly who were, uh, I know, attacking Warren in... I mean, there's plenty of ways to to point out the problems with Warren and <laughs> yeah. Warren's campaign, um, but they were doing it in the most vulgar way. Um, and I think that's partially because part of the problem of... well. The advantage of having a decentralised campaign is you have all of these people, but also you sacrifice this control and to some extent. You know, you are at the mercy of people who might be those evil Bernie bros. With the um, coronavirus um, pandemic, we've seen a lot of campaigning activity move online. We saw Bernie hosting a fireside chat, um, I think, over Facebook Live. Um, um, yeah, do you think we will could expect to be seeing a lot more stuff like this like in the future as like campaigning has to respond to pandemics like this or do you think it's more of a one-off thing? I- any thoughts you have about this recent shift? Well, I think it is kind of interesting actually because when in 2016 when the kind of Ford state organisers who developed this typical Bernie model of barnstorming and... Um, you know, big organising, which they basically developed because they had no money. They had no money to put people on in the states other than the early primary states. So it fell on the shoulders of just a handful of people and volunteers who they kind of identified uh, people who had skills often from working in call centres or even as salespeople who organically became leaders. But one of the things that they developed was how to do these big tele-town halls where they would get, you know, hundreds of volunteers to get online. They would train them rapidly, and it worked very well. I mean, I think actually Bernie kind of maybe has an advantage in this sense because he has passionate people who are very literate online, who don't necessarily see going online as less alluring than attending a meeting in person. So I think that we're kind of headed that way um, anyway. Not Of course, this is an exceptional case. But I think in the future you'll see a lot more organising taking place online, um, which, you know, that raises a whole bunch of other questions I don't necessarily have the answer to. But um, I, I don't necessarily... This is really just an escalation of a trend that we've been seeing for the last sort of 10 years, I'd say. And to finish, Zach, do you think that Bernie's um, been able to communicate his demands and have them break through even though it looks like he might not get the nomination? Well, I think he's been able to communicate and get his demands across to certain people very effectively. But clearly, he's not been able to communicate his demands to certain sections of the community. And I I think once the dust has settled, perhaps we'll be able to have a, a longer conversation about why exactly that was. Um, but... It appears as though while he can engage this kind of, you know, over-educated precariat that I had the privilege of campaigning with, um, how he went in Michigan suggests that, you know, he's not able to cut through necessarily um, to working-class blue-collar voters, 
South Carolina shows us he wasn't able to cut through as much in the South. And I think that that kind of makes sense when you see that his comm strategy is so heavily geared towards the kinds of people who would be advantageous to his campaign in the Northeast, maybe. Mm. Um, and barnstorming works to some extent as a kind of uh, conduit between um, your first comms contact and perhaps your last. But we need to improve that. How do we get people to the barnstorm and how do we get them to um, take action afterwards as well? So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have the answer to that question. I think that really is the million-dollar question and one that people will be specul- speculating about for years probably to come. They definitely will be, Zach. Thank you so much for your yeah. time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Of course. See ya. Bye. Welcome back uh, to Communication Mixdown. I'm Liam Armstrong, and if you've just um, tuned in, we're having a show today where we're exploring um, young Australians um, supporting Bernie Sanders online um, and on the ground. Uh, we've just had Zach on the show and their take on how his message is being communicated. Um, so our next guest is Ashley Sutherland. Um, Ashley is a long-time progressive campaigner. Um, she's managed cam- um, political campaigns for the Greens. Um, she's currently an organiser um, at a not-for-profit here in Melbourne. And in her spare time, um, yeah, she's supporting Bernie Sanders online. Um, so welcome to the show, Ashley. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, so first off, why was it that you became invested in Sanders' campaign as a young Australian? Um, well, I think you only need to look to history to see that things that happen in America affect us here in Australia. And um, I think that basically in, we're living in a global global economy and we need to act like global citizens. And um, I think that's what I'm doing by supporting a progressive candidate who's running in the US um, and whose campaign could have massive ramifications for um, our community here in Australia. Yeah, we definitely do live in a global economy. That's been proven recently. Um, yeah. How do you um, keep up with the campaign? How do you get your news about it or follow it? Oh, to be honest, it's mostly Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just kind of following along um, with the organisers and activists um, all over the world who are talking about progressive politics, um, leftist ideals, and um, just kind of keeping up with them, their critiques, and... Um, their assessments of what's going on. And what are some of the ways you've seen um, young Australians um, support Bernie Sanders? I've seen a lot of us turning up to events in Melbourne um, to do texting. Um, So most of that texting is to people who've already expressed interest in voting for Bernie in the primaries. Um, And it's kind of just confirming with people, are you getting out to vote today? Um, like making plans for how and where they're going to vote. Um, yeah, doing some calls as well. Um, it's kind of funny. People do pick up on the accent. And um, I think like the response has been really good, actually, because um, when you tell people that you're volunteering because you believe in the cause um, and you believe, you know, that it could make your life better, I think that people respond to that really positively. 
Yeah, it's um, pretty incredible. Yeah, I saw uh, the the main Facebook page I've seen is Australians for Bernie Sanders, and it like clearly explains that you can like text for Bernie anywhere. Um, mm. So yeah, like, do you have anything else to offer in terms of your experience texting for Bernie, or like, I, I heard people did canvassing parties where they got together and did a like, yeah, because that seems to me like it's pretty interesting that now you can do traditional like campaigning and calling from another country. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, when I first started going along to events, I went to the Australians for Bernie Sanders um, page events and it was really good because uh, I kind of expected it to be the same activist circles in Melbourne, but it actually wasn't. There wasn't anyone I knew there. So it was meeting people, you know, that I don't normally get to chat to about progressive politics. Um, so that was really great. But, yeah, basically the texting is super easy. Um Someone will be able to explain it to you, but also there's really helpful tools online to learn how to use it. Um, and there's also a really active online community on the Slack channel that they use um, where you can basically print screen uh, a current text conversation and ask for help. And, and people are really great on there. They're from all over the world too. So, yeah, it's been a really positive experience. Um, and the other noticeable way I've seen people support Sanders Online has been through meme groups. Um, my favourite one is Lord Pete Buttigieg's Casual Imperialist Wine Cave. Um, why do you <laughs> think um, Facebook meme groups have become such a popular way for Sanders supporters to connect? Or do you have any thoughts on what they reflect in terms of the new reality we live in in campaigns? Oh, look, I think my reading of it is maybe a bit dark. Um, I kind of think that, you know, we're faced with such incredible, um, you know, incredible um, shenanigans from the, the democratic establishment that people have to have a way to <laughs> express their feelings and invent them. And um, I think the really good thing about our generation is that we've been able to turn a lot of frustration into humour. Um, and I think that that's a really good coping mechanism um, given the shambles of the world at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, definitely so. Um, last off, why do you think it is that people all over the world have become so invested in the Sanders campaign? Um, well, I think I think what has happened with the Bernie Sanders campaign is that they've been able to talk about um, things that everyone understands and that everyone needs access to. You know, like it's the basic human needs of like access to healthcare, education, a job, things like that. And it's something that is pretty much a universal human experience. Most of us have been through a struggle with all of those things and we understand that our community needs stability. Um, but also like at the moment, I think we only need to look at the current situation with coronavirus to know that how important healthcare is. Um, in our society and also job security so that people can access appropriate healthcare. Um, it's basically the bread and butter of our society and when we don't have access to those things, um, we see crises like this one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that that's the basis of it. Absolutely. Ashley, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. So that was um, Ashley Sutherland talking about her involvement as an Australian online supporting Bernie Sanders. Thanks again to her and our other guest, Zach, for their time today. That's it for Communication Mixdown this week. We'll be back again next Monday at 6pm. And let's go follow um, out with this following track from The Clash, Know Your Rights. This is a public service announcement.
Get tired.